Everybody shut up. I'm Mike Hammett with our talented and wise staff of Trasher, Burglar, Burglar Jr., and Del Scanlon. We got a big show tonight. We got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and just uh, get right to it. Um, let's start out with our games of the week. The boys' game of the week, Nina Hortonville-Manasha took on Eau Claire North, and Trasher, you had the chance to check it out. Hey, thanks, MJ. Yep, I got a chance to sit next to the the uh, the guy that is probably in the Eau Claire, or Eau Claire area knows the most about high school hockey, Mike Sullivan. He actually was not working, and uh, we got a chance to talk and stuff and learn a few good things. But um, the game, uh, Nina Manasha, Nina Hortonville Manasha came into the game, playing a couple of tough games earlier in the week. They beat Fond du Lac 4-2 on Tuesday. They beat New Richmond 5-1 on Wednesday and then had to come over to Eau Claire and play, oh, probably uh, 10, 12 hours later. And they ended up winning the game 6-3. It started out, it was Nina... Hortonville Manasha scored first in the first period to go ahead one and nothing. Then uh, North tied it up early in the second period, and late in the the period, um, the Rockets scored again to make it two to one. And then pretty much the third period was all Nina Hortonville Manasha's. They scored four goals to the Huskies two to get a six to three victory. Um, there was uh, a lot of back and forth, and during probably the first, I'd say, two periods and a, a half or so, it was uh, either way, but um, the Rockets scored two goals in the last five minutes to put it away. So it was a really good game, uh, two very talented teams, and I talked to Mike Sullivan during the game or before the game, and I had said, you know, I think that... Uh, North has been a little bit up and down this year, and he didn't seem to think so, but after the game was over, he said, yeah, now, based on what you said, I think I I believe what you say. So, um, yeah, North has been a little bit, you know, high and low, and uh, their their star player, Sam Stang, um, basically was kept scoreless. They pretty much kept good check on him during the game, I don't believe he had a point. No, he did not have a point. And um, but you know, on the other hand, you had a couple of kids that played very well. Zach Erdahl, a goal and two assists for three points. Uh, Joy Kohler, a goal and an assist for two points for Eau Claire North. Um, on the other side, Dylan Fox, who is um, Jeff Fox's son. Jeff Fox is the Eau Claire, or uh, the, the Fox City Stars girls coach, that's his son. He had two goals and an assist. And um, 
also Alec Elkin, the Mike Elkin, the coach of uh, NHM, had a goal and two assists in the game. So, I mean, there were, there were a lot of good players. There was uh, a lot of good up-and-down action. And uh, the Rockets just were just a little bit better. Um, it seemed like uh, the the North, the, the Stars kind of got shut down. Uh, Jeff Pippinger had no points. Uh, Sam Stang had no points. Uh, those are your two big guys on that team. And I think for them to be successful, they need to to uh, score some points and be in the action. And in this case, they weren't. And I think that was part of the way um, it resulted in a 6-3 a to three victory for the Rockets on Saturday, guys. With all the offense that Eau Claire North has, and they do have quite a bit, as you talked about the firepower there, Michael, you're kind of surprised that uh, that they were really, you know, you talk about Pippinger and uh, Sam Stang being held pointless in that game. Uh, it just, it just, were you kind of surprised that they uh, weren't on the score sheet? I actually was. Um, I, I kind of made it a note to to keep an eye on them a little bit every time they were out on the ice, and um, they. You know, not that they necessarily were, you know, covered overly more so than they normally would be. You know, sometimes teams will kind of key on players and stuff and maybe keep a, a close eye on them. But they had a couple of, of uh, odd man chances, and um, they didn't capitalize on those. And I don't know if that – I mean, I haven't played for a long time, so I don't know how this works anymore, but if you uh, – get burned on a, a two-on-one, you don't make the shot, does that totally blow you away for, like, the next 10 minutes? I mean, I don't know, but um, it, I, it's, it just seems to me like um, the Rockets coming in, you know, they played two games. They played one game Friday night, so it wasn't that much, you know, before this game, you know, you know, 12, 14 hours or whatever it was. Um you would have thought they would have had the the bus legs or the tired legs things going, but um, they sure didn't show it, you know. And uh, um, I was a little bit surprised that the uh, the North kids didn't didn't score, you know, like Pippinger. I I really like him and um, Stang. He's one of the best players in the state, and if if he hangs around, I think he'll be a you know a player of the year uh, candidate next year, but. Um, they they struggle a little bit in this game, and I think as a result of that, you know, it, it ended up being a six to three game. So uh, basically, you know, they they keyed on them a little bit, and they weren't able to capitalize, and uh, the Rockets end up taking the three goal win. Okay, let's check in with the girls' game of the week. Hudson and Eau Claire Altoona. Dell Scanlon, you had the time to go check that one out. Thanks, MJ. Yeah, we had a battle for number one against number two. And earlier in the year, uh, Trasher had the opportunity to watch the two teams play. And that one came down to a one-goal game. And I believe the game-winning goal in that one was scored by Anna Wilgren, who has been committed the last 
couple years for where she's going to be going off to college next year. But, you know, so I was kind of taking a look before the game started and noticed that the Stars had two players that were ranked in the top ten in points and top ten in goals. That was Ava Kaisen and Abigail Stowe. And then when you turned around and looked at the Raiders, you know, it was uh, Anna Wilgren. And as this game uh, unfolded, you saw Hudson take a two to nothing lead at the end of the uh, first period, scoring uh, both were even strength goals and had two assists on both the goals. And then they scored early in the second period to go up three to nothing. And you started to think that they were just going to walk away with this game. But the Stars came storming back the second half of the second period, tied the game up to go into the uh, third period. And what usually happens in this game, these games is a team capitalizes on the mistake of the other. And that's what happened with this one is, Hudson turned the puck over in the high slot area, and a player that we don't hear about, Paige Rupert, fires the puck and into the net, and that proved to be the difference in this game with a 4-3 to win for the Stars. And maybe one of the surprising things in this is Anna Wilgren did not get on the score sheet at all for uh, goals or assists. But you saw Ava Kaisen with one goal, one assist. Abigail Stowe had two goals. And, you know, that was the difference in this game was they came, they came storming back and owned the second half of the game while Hudson owned the first half. Dell, was this a pretty intense game between the two, knowing that they were both one and two in the uh, rankings? I think it was, I, I don't think it, it would have mattered if they were, neither one of them were in the rankings. These are two teams that know they're going to be coming in here. They're going to be battling for not only the conference title, but you know, they both had their eyes set on being in Madison in March. And you very well could see the rubber match game of this being in the sectional final. And I, you know, I would not be surprised to see that, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that kind of expect to see it. Now, of course, uh, the Fusion are going to have something to say on that, you know, as to whether or not uh, who's going to be up there. But, you know, and you've got Hayward in this conference. But right now, I honestly think that your sectional final could come down to these two teams. Hey, Del, um, the uh, the Raiders got off to an early 3 to nothing lead. Do you think maybe that kind of uh, had a tendency to maybe get them low-keyed low a little bit and say, oh, man, we got this game, and then all of a sudden Eau Claire said, uh, we got to get going here, and uh, it kind of worked opposite, you know what I mean? It was like they got the, the early lead, and they maybe sat back a little bit on that? I don't really think so. I think one – one thing that happened in the game that uh, Hudson's bus actually showed up late, so they were kind of late getting there. Game got delayed a little bit, and so you know, you had the stars were already starting to get ready and you know get to the point you know waiting for Hudson to get there. Hudson got there, they got all stretched out and got on the ice and got going, and it was just one of those things that 
I don't think that they laid back because they know what the stars can do. But I, I think, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, I don't see, I didn't see them going into a prevent mode, but they did use a lot of energy in that first half of the game. What do they say about the prevent, prevent mode? Prevents you from winning? Yeah. Um, I've seen plenty of coaches that have used it, and, you know, that's a lot of times that comes back to bite you because once the game gets close, it, you know, once the game gets close, it's hard to turn the key again and get started. But I, I would not say that's what happened to the Raiders in this game. I, I just say that the Stars found once that first goal got in, they all of a sudden you could see their emotions come through. And that first goal that went, uh, well, actually it was the second goal that went in by Abigail Stowe was one that hit the leg pads of Schultz, rebounded far out to the left, and she fired one shot in that uh, Schultz just did not have a chance to react to uh, to put him up. And, you know, it, it was just one of those ga- that that type of game. And I, I really look forward to seeing these two teams play again this year. Well, if they're going to play again, it'll be in sectionals and uh... – We'll have to keep an eye on that one because that's going to be one of the very competitive sectionals in the state for girls. Uh, sectionals are going to be interesting this year. Got a listener question that uh, I'm going to take a stab at. Classic Gate has some very strong teams. Is there a team that could knock off Waukesha or USM in the conference? And I was thinking about that. And I've, I did get a chance to see a couple of, uh, Classic 8 teams. Uh, I got to see Arrowhead earlier in the year. And I got to see, uh, Milwaukee Marquette this past weekend. And, uh, I know USM has, uh, I believe USM has played, yes, they beat Arrowhead earlier in the year on December 7th. And let's see, they haven't played Waukesha yet. They play on February 6th. So if there's any team in the in the conference I think that could knock them off, it would be Arrowhead or Milwaukee Marquette. Milwaukee Marquette's goaltender does a very nice job, as I was watching that the other day. And uh, they uh, transition quick. And they have a nice power play. And uh, Arrowhead, though, Arrowhead's just... Arrowhead, you know what you're going to get when you play them. You know you're going to come at you with their lines. They're, they're usually solid all the way across in the line. So I, uh, I guess at this point, USM has beaten Arrowhead, but Arrowhead still is a mat- matchup with Waukesha, and that may determine who wins the Classic 8 at this point because uh, Waukesha does have a uh, victory over USM in the Classic 8 play. So there's your uh, – I guess kind of in a way, Guy, does that, that sound like a decent answer? Well, um, I'm kind of looking at this too, MJ, and uh, basically I see this as a two-tier league. Uh, Waukesha, U-School, Marquette, KMMO, and Arrowhead are in the top tier. Greendale, Brookfield, and Kenosha are on the bottom tier. Um, 
you kind of wonder, you know, I mean, I, I didn't look at the games played against each team, but I see that KMMO and Arrowhead have only have uh, four conference games, so maybe in some ways they have a little bit of an edge, but, you know, <laughs> this, this is a tricky conference. It always has been. When you think that uh, Waukesha with nine points in first, you know, 4-0 and 1, has the, the definite advantage. Um, you know, Arrowhead knocks him off or KMMO knocks him off. And, I mean, I talked to uh, a parent of uh, a, a Waukesha kid, and he said, you know, I'm really worried about KMMO because that's like a, a huge rivalry there in that division, in the in the Classic 8. And that's all it takes, really, is, you know, one little upset, and it kind of makes a mess of the standing so uh i don't know i mean it could go any way waukesha you score right now one and two marquette third um kmmo and uh, arrowhead fourth or fifth whatever you want to call them um but just one little shocker and uh, it could turn things upside down guys well each of those teams you mentioned marquette arrowhead and kmmo you know, sitting there with one loss each in the conference and look at our newly minted power rankings, and there they all are bunched together at uh, number 20, number 21, and number 23, um, with Madison West just kind of stuck in between them at number 22. But, yeah, those three teams are all right together in the rankings. They're right together in the standings. Uh, yeah, it, it could go any any of a number of different ways. Guys, is this the toughest conference in the state? As opposed to the Big Rivers, it has number one and number three. Or the but then it drops off. I'm talking. I'm talking top to bottom. Top to bottom, Valley. What do you got? Stevens Point, Everest, uh, Wasa West, DC Everest, who's. Uh, 13 in the power rankings, and then it kind of falls like off. East Merrill. Marshfield, Wisconsin Rapids. Yeah, that kind of drops off. Top Bad- to bottom, it could be the most depth, yeah. Badgerland is pretty deep. Okay. Let's just say, arguably, this could be the top conference in the state. There's uh, five, well, three teams that have been in the top ten <clears throat> or are in the top ten, and two more that have probably been an honorable mention this year and could crack back into it. So, yeah, you know, maybe, right? I mean, hard to say. There's, uh, there's a lot of good hockey yet to go on here, and uh, about the time we think that, that a conference is going to be well, out of it, you'll have a couple couple teams uh, start to get playing well. So, who knows? Let's move on to Players of the Week. Burglar, you are going to tell us about the Players of the Week, correct? I am, if you're talking about the Radisson-Madison Players of the Week, sponsored by Madison's premier West Side Hotel, the Radisson of Madison and the official state headquarters of Wisconsin Prep Hockey. Um, on the boys' side, looks like we have the boys first. 
Sam Vanderhoven, a forward for Beaver Dam. Uh, one goal in a 7-2 loss to RWD. But then he cranked it up later on with three goals and four assists in a 9-3 win over DeForest. And three goals in a 4-1 win over McFarland. So for that, Sam Vanderhoven of Beaver Dam is our Boys Player of the Week. Also nominated on the boys' sides were Alec Elkin of the Nina Hortonville Menasha Rockets and Alex Miller of Waukesha, who had two shutouts as a fill-in goalie as their regular starter was out with the flu. And why that doesn't get Player of the Week, I don't know. But it was nominated, so yes. Um, on the girls' side, Kaylee Manglitz, forward for Alaska. Uh, she had four assists in a 4-2 to two win over the Western Wisconsin, and she had one assist in a 6-2 loss to Cap City. Also nominated on the girls' side was Margot Thousand of Cap City. So those are our Radisson-Madison players of the week. Berkeley, you're doing such a nice job. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tackle the next listener question and I'm sure we have an answer. Well, it's a, I guess it, well, it's uh it is, it's, it's two questions. It's all about DC Everest. Uh, DC Everest seems to be recognized. What do you think about the DC Everest program? And you think they have a shot at winning the Valley? I was looking up DC Everest, and they are, I mean, they're actually uh, creeping up. They're up at number 13 in the power rankings. Uh, which means the computer recognizes them, but I don't know if they've gotten any love at all in the in the coaches poll in our top ten poll. And I think that largely has to do with their their non conference schedule. They don't have a real strong non conference schedule this year. I mean they do play, you know, Wausau West and Stevens Point, you know, twice each as part of their, their conference schedule, but their non conference schedule hasn't been as strong so they're not playing those other top teams which gets you recognized. Um, they have been winning a lot, um, but they just don't have that. They don't have the strength of the schedule that gets you noticed right away, um, you know, by the other coaches for the coaches poll. Well, as far as their programs goes, um, yeah, they, they they've got they well, they, I mean, DC Everest, it, it's. It's a jock school. I mean, it's 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 all set up for for sports and stuff, and they've got the rink right there attached to the school in the the Green Heck Fieldhouse. Um, their biggest problem seems to be uh, a tendency to lose some of their top players to Wausau West um, because they're all in the same area there, and you know you get your kid playing hockey, and, and you figure, well, by the time he gets to high school, we should probably move over to the west side of Wausau so he can play at Wausau West. Um, it's kind of a natural tendency for a lot of people to do over there. So, you know, one of the reasons that Wausau East, you know, is having to co-op with, with, uh, with, with Merrill to field a team. And uh, this, is, this is not a knock on Wausau West recruiting and stuff. I mean, back when my kids were in grade school and we were playing Wausau, it was like, well, yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, if we lived in Wausau, I know by the time, you know, the kids were in high school, we'd live on the west side. So they'd go to Wausau West. Why would, why would you not? You know, uh, kind of a standard question, but, 
I guess the, the, the folks in D.C. Everest, you know, the, the, the people that actually live there and make, you know, they don't really think that's a, a good thing, a good way to look at things. And they'd like to keep some of their, uh, more of their, their D.C. Everest players, you know, playing for D.C. Everest. Um, like the, the, the Tackle brothers who, you know, are play for Wausau West, you know, played their youth hockey for D.C. Everest. And, you know, at one point they lived over in that area and then, you know, moved to, uh, Wasa to play for the Warriors. So it happens. Well, Burglar, you know, um, along with what you had just said, too, um, I mean, Everest has some nice players. They have J.J. Berdahl, a defenseman, who is one of the top defensemen in the state, and he has, a, I believe, a commit to uh, Colorado College or one of those, one of those uh, Colorado universities out there but he's got 16 goals 18 assists i've seen the kid play he can take over a game when he wants to um i mean i've seen games where he doesn't but uh, there there are games when he just totally dominates um ty treader is the second leading scorer on the team he's got uh 26 points and that is todd treader's son todd treader was a, a uwsp star from 20 years ago or so. Um, another kid that I watched uh, play against Rapids was Davis Hackbarth. He had a, a playmaker in that game, and then I think either in the next game or the game after that, he had another playmaker. So um, three goals in a game, in two games out of three or two games out of two was pretty good. Um, I think this team is starting to come together. Um, the problem being is that... West and Spash are maybe just a little bit more, um, have more horsepower than they do. So, uh, yeah, Everest is probably going to end up finishing third, I, I believe, in the, the Wisconsin Valley. Um, but they they got some nice players. Uh, Michael Yankee, the goalie, I think is going to be probably first team or at the very least second team goalie in the, the Wisconsin Valley. Uh, they, you know, they're, I think it's just a simple matter of they're, they're pretty close, but they're not quite there yet. Um, but uh, Everest has got a nice team. They've done well this year, and uh, we'll see what happens as uh, the year goes by. MJ, are you talking to your mute button? Junior, you have the top ten, boys and girls, including honorable mentions. You want to go ahead and unveil it? Sure. I guess. Uh, number Dog one. on mute button. Yep. Number one, once again, Hudson uh, for the boys. Two, University School. Three, Wausau West. Four, Eau Claire Memorial. Five, Superior. Six, Stevens Point. 7, Nina Menasha-Hortonville, 8, Waukesha, 9, Notre Dame, and 10, Northland Pines. Honorable mention for the boys are Eau Claire North, Fond du Lac Springs, New Richmond, Verona, and Waupon. Uh, for the girls, we have a new number 1, Eau Claire Altoona. Uh, 2 is Hudson, 3 is St. Croix Valley, 4 is USM, 5th uh, is Rock County, 6th is Wisconsin Valley Union, 7th is Central Wisconsin, 8th is Bay Area, Ninth is Cap City, and 10th 
I have it listed on here as Bay Area again. We'll fix that before the show is over. Uh, honorable mention for the girls are Hayward, Black River Falls, and Fox Cities. I think number 10 is Beaver Dam Warbird Co-op. So I'm going to go with that. Okay. It's hard when you copy and paste these things. Also, all the voters seem to have very short memories. Why do you say that? I don't believe that Eau Claire Altoona should have gotten as many first place votes as they did. Um, I think that they are just as deserving of the number one spot as Hudson, but they've split, the two teams have split so far this year. That was a very even game that they just played, and the voting was lopsided enough for the Eau Claire team that I just, voters are always, they always get distracted by the shiny thing that just happened rather than looking at the bulk of the team's work. Um, that's not to say that Eau Claire does not deserve the number one spot. They knock, they beat number one. That's generally how you get the number one spot. But the, the discrepancy between the, t- the people that had Eau Claire at number one and the people that still had Hudson at number one was a little wider than I thought it, would, that it, that it should have been. I'm usually fairly good at predicting these things. Okay, Junior, guys, is anything on here stand out to you at all? Well, I, you know, going to uh, what Junior said, um, I think basically, yeah, the the voters um, realized that ECA beat Hudson, so they basically flip-flopped in the standings, and I think they were close enough. It wasn't like... Um, Hudson was number one, and then ECA was two, but like way down the list, they were pretty close. You know, the records were pretty, were fairly similar. I think they were either the same or there was a one game difference. And in the game that they had played over at Hudson, um, I it was I think a, a one goal game. So I mean, it's not like you know. They blew them away and beat them by five goals, and but they're the second best team. But they're way much, way better than the first. You know, uh, Hudson was that much better. Uh, I think they were close enough that with an ECA win, um, that vaulted ECA over the top, and uh, they just basically flip flopped. So I mean, I don't have a problem with that, and. Uh, the the rest of the the top ten, you know, it all kind of moves a little bit here and there, depending on how teams do. And I, I was look, kind of looking at it, and I thought that there were about maybe six teams that were like top ten teams, and then there was probably I don't know another eight or ten that are kind of battling for the next spots. Um, there's not. You know, a lot of dominant teams this year. Did Just, you know, maybe half a dozen. That? Anybody else catch that? He says there's about six teams that are really top ten teams. And who's ranked number six? Who? Wisconsin, Wisconsin Valley, Valley Union. Union. Trasher's home team. Somehow, that <laughs> list of teams that makes ends at Trasher's team. You didn't sneak that past me. I'm basically looking at the records, and if you look at the records, there's the the top six, and then there's a differentiation. Seven through ten all have six, seven, eight losses, and the top six have like one or two or three losses. So that's what I'm basing it on. Not who they play or strength of schedule or anything like that, just wins and losses. 
No, but I think that it all kind of shakes out, and the, the strength of schedule is not that much of a differentiation between those teams. I might be wrong, but I might be right. It's a 50-50 we'll foot. We'll have to look once we see if there's a, um, a power rankings and see how that how that shakes out. Well, there is. I've seen it for the boys. I have not seen it for the girls. Well, apparently you just don't look. There's this place called Wisconsin Prep Hockey. They have a top ten page that has rankings on them and power rankings and I've all been that kind too, of stuff. I've been too busy putting stories onto the front page to notice that. Oh, okay. Well, just don't 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 be saying it's not there. Okay. I didn't say it wasn't there. I just said I didn't see it. Well, Michael, our listener question and answer number three is right in your wheelhouse. You want to address it? No. <laughs> okay, the the question that has been put to us is, does WIPH put together an academic all-state first team or second team of seniors? And the answer is, no, and I think the reasoning is because um, it, it's difficult to get this information, first of all. Uh, second of all, um, we're kind of busy doing 6,000 other things, but the Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association does honor teams by sections at the end of the year, and, uh, I mean, that, that's a great honor for them. And, uh, I mean, that's why we, I guess, in a, in a way, we kind of don't do it because we know that the, the Hockey Coaches Association is going to do this. And, um, it, it comes out every year at the end of the year, like just before state tournament time. And, uh, it's a, it's a great honor, you know. Um, but we we do not do it at WIPH, but uh, the WHCA does, and uh, I, I guess that's that's my answer. I don't know that the the WHCA doing their team one is why we don't do one ourselves. Um, I know just for me, I don't want to ask for the academic information of all the seniors in the state. That's none of my business. You know, that's between them and their school. I don't I don't even want to know that information. Um, that seems like the kind of private information we shouldn't have. Uh, but pop quiz for you, Trasher. Who was last year's academic state champ? Superior. Antigo. Not close. I had the, the wrong uh, hometown of the Burglar Boys involved in that one. Yes. I think Superior won it, like, not that long ago, though. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Not not since 2006, which is as far back as the Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association's website goes. Well, that's when I was thinking, 2006. Well, no, they're not there. I said since... Oh, 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 oh. None of the years that are reported are they on the list. Dell's got two wins in there with RWD. Oh, man. I think it was 2005, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. probably like three in a row, you know, 2003, <laughs> four, yeah, and five, right. right before we started keeping track. Yep, that's, I think that's right. So, yeah. I, that must be my memories, I'm sure, my memory's like, long. 
I'm sure just like the on-ice state championships, Superior has the most academic state championships as well. <laughs> Probably. Yes, and the one year they came in second and, you know, didn't bother taking the trophy home. Well, yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's our answer. Um, yes. The WHCA, the, the high school yeah, I, 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 association. I, I think we beat this one pretty good. They, yeah. they, they got we, that. We don't do it, they do, and we're done. Okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> so wanted to reiterate. Got some games of the week that are looking pretty good. Uh, upcoming games of the week this week. The girls' side on Saturday, Bayer had taken on the Central Wisconsin Storm. And boys, little non-conference action as well. As Stevens Point takes on Verona. Point in the top ten in Verona, a team that's starting to get a little bit of momentum and starting to get some healthy bodies. Those two teams are going to clash down in Verona. And we'll have write-ups and pictures from both those games right there on the website. And it's some of the other yeah, some of the other games that are on our radar, kind of going along with some of our earlier topics, uh, Nina Horton of Omanasha at Fond du Lac Springs tomorrow night. That one could go a ways towards uh, that conference championship. Um, D.C. Everest at Wausau West on Thursday. Madison West at Verona on Friday. Um West plays Nina Hortonville Manasha on Saturday. So those are all interesting games if you're looking to take in some hockey action on the boys' side. On the girls' side, there's also some interesting games with uh, Black River Falls at the Wisconsin Valley Union tomorrow night. Black River Falls at Cap City on Thursday. USM at Hudson on Friday. And USM at St. Croix Valley Fusion on Saturday, so a road trip for USM. So lots of good action going on throughout the state this upcoming week. Guys, as we look here, we do this broadcast on the 22nd of uh, January. We're looking at probably about five, six weeks until the state tournament. So Madison? Yeah, not that far away. Five weeks. You know, we've got some stuff that we got to, uh, got to start working on and we got our, uh, WIPH end of season awards that, uh, coaches start getting some names in mind and we'll ask for names as, uh, we start to tabulate that stuff and get it all lined up and we'll go through the process. So, uh, that, all the uh, offense, defense, goaltender, and unsung hero awards. Unsung hero awards seems to be a tough one, but uh, we did it last year. We're going to do it again this year, and uh, it's one of those players who may be under the radar, but boy, you know the team can't get where they are without them. So, uh, coaches out there who listen to this, uh, think about that. And when we ask, go ahead and make your submission on that player, and we will uh, go from there. Plus, guys, uh, anything else you want to give about the state tournament coming up? It's uh, a few weeks away, and uh, WIPH wants to be there. We do. We do, and we can't do it without you. Um, It costs money to do the state tournament. Um, There's the... uh, you know, all the expenses um, the WIAA requires and whatnot. 
So any help we can get for state tournament donations is much appreciated. And then also I would like to mention the Hobie Baker Bo oh, can't even talk. Hobie Baker Character Award. Um that I, I think there are like thirty four of the the boys teams have nominations so far and seven on the girls side. Please nominate your worthwhile deserving players. Uh, this is great well, great award for the kids. Um, it's something that really looks good on the resume and it's uh, it doesn't cost anything to do. So please make sure that you nominate your your players that are deserving of this award. So I think that's it for me guys. Um, just you know do do what you need to do to honor your players. It's not all about the teams, the coaches, whatever. You know, the players in some ways need to get some respect, some honors, some rewards. So make sure that you take care of that. That's about it. Our uh, state tournament donations box is uh, right next to the uh, editorial comments, ed- the editorials that we have written. Big uh, box that says donations. Click on that. Go ahead and take a look at that. And if you can fill something out and send us some uh, money to offset our expenses for the state tournament, we would definitely appreciate it. And we'll give you a shout out during the state tournament as well. And uh, as we get to the end of the show, one of the things I've noticed, guys, is a problem down here in Janesville is it's that time of year. Everybody's getting sick down here. We were talking about, you know, the flu going around and, uh, you know, it's, it's hitting here in Janesville with a couple of players having to go and get checked out. And, uh, boy, it's been a lot in the news about how it's hitting people hard and even, uh, hockey teams as well as it seems to be as you're in close quarters in the locker room that, uh, something like that gets passed around. And I know down here, it's uh, taken its turn through ours. Well, MJ, I think you need to uh, make sure that you get your flu shots if you're old enough to do so, and uh, stay away from kids if you're sick. If you're you're not, and um, hopefully, um, <laughs> I know how that works. So, kids want to go to school, they want to do this, they want to do that, and then pretty soon everybody else is sick. So, kind of works out that way, I guess. But um, supposedly this uh, this flu season has been one of the worst in several years. So um, try to stay 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 healthy, um, keep away from people that are sick, and uh, carry Lysol. Yeah, Lysol and uh, wipes and whatnot, right? And wash off that mouth guard after you pick it up off the ice. <laughs> exactly. Good. Stay healthy, guys. All right, looks like that's going to do it for the show uh, for this week. For a burglar, trasher, Dell, Bill Jr., I'm Mike Hammett. You've been listening to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.